Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. We are in the middle of a sermon series based on the book of Jonah called Running from the Heart of God. We've had two other messages in this series, and today I'm going to be sharing with you message number three, and my message is entitled, It's Not Too Late. It's not too late. Go ahead and look at your friend. Go ahead and look at your family member or whoever's around you right now and say, it's not too late. They don't know what you're talking about, but you're about to find out when we open the book of Jonah chapter one. So please do that. And as you open your Bibles, I'm gonna go ahead and pray over our service. Father, we do thank you right now for your word. And we believe, God, that your word changes our life, not just as we read it, but as we apply it. And so we do pray for the grace that you would give us so that we could live out your word. We are your people. We are seeking to to do your will, and we want to do it your way. So we ask you to lead us, Holy Spirit. I pray for all of Northwest Church that you would bless our families. I pray that you would strengthen our hearts. I pray that you would give us grace for one another, grace for our neighbor, give us passion to share the gospel, and give us a heart to reach out into our community. I pray that this message would empower us all the more to be the people that you have called us to be. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. As I've already told you, we've been walking through the first chapter of the book of Jonah, and we're going to be focusing today on chapter one, actually wrapping it up, and, uh, and then following that, we're going to go into the other chapters and read some amazing stuff as God begins to deal with Jonah's heart. In the first week when I shared with you out of this series, I talked to you about how Jonah was running from God. God called him to preach against the city of Nineveh, which was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Jonah did not want to do that, so Jonah runs from the presence of the Lord. He runs from the word of the Lord, and he runs from his calling as a prophet. Jonah is literally a prophet called to convey a message from God. That is his job, and he's run from that. In fact, Nineveh was not very, it was 500 miles probably from where he was. And he goes down to Joppa, gets into a boat and he travels across the sea, or at least he's in the middle of the sea right now, going 2,500 miles away to Tarshish. And so he's on his way. And then last week we studied how Jonah was asleep in the storm and he gave himself over to indifference. He didn't care about his life. He didn't care about the lives of those that he was affecting. And we specifically discussed how our sin can release all of these negative consequences in our lives, not just for us, but also the people all around us. And indifference is a massive part of that, and we focus specifically on it. And this week, as I'm talking to you out of the title, It's Not Too Late, aren't you grateful that God's mercy comes even though we've blown it? Even though we've had this disposition towards what God has said and his word that we're not going to do what he says, we're going to rebel against it, God still pursues us, God still gives us mercy, and it's not too late. Well, I believe we're going to see that today as we open the word to Jonah chapter 1. Each man said to his mate, come let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And we talked about that a little bit 
um, last week how casting a lot is kind of like in modern times flipping a coin. And they said to Jonah, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now this terrified them and they asked, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. And you should underline that. Jonah already told them that he was running from the Lord, but they didn't think it was that big of a deal until now, obviously. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to, to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault and this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord. Now, these are these pagan sailors crying out to the Lord, which is Yahweh. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done, have done as you have pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And that's verse 17 right there. We are going to revisit that in our next message that is focused on the book of Jonah. So we'll leave that out for today. But I want to just share with you three observations that come right out of the text that I think will walk us through the scenario here that builds upon what we've already talked about. The first one that I want to share with you, we read about in verse 7 through 9, and that was Jonah was confronted with his sin. We talked about what his sin released, and now I want to show you that he was actually confronted with his sin. It says they cast lots and it fell on Jonah and the sailors begin to question him. And he responds first by saying that he is a Hebrew and that's his ethnicity. And then he responds by telling them who he serves and who he worships. He says, I fear the Lord or I fear Yahweh, the one who made the land and the sea. Now remember, the sea is raging. They're in the middle of a storm that's about to break up the boat. They're scared for their lives. And Jonah says, I'm a Hebrew, that's his ethnicity, and I serve and I fear the God who is the Lord over not only the heavens, but also dry land and the sea, the one that has power over the sea. As pagans, they would have understood that this is the God over all their gods. And that's what they heard him say. Jonah says that he fears the Lord. And I thought to myself, really? Jonah fears the Lord? See, he fears God enough to name him, but he doesn't fear God enough to obey him. Now we need to remember that principle. Sometimes we think that we fear God. We fear him enough to say something about him or maybe mention that we're Christians, but do we fear God enough to obey him, to do what he is calling us to do? And that is the conundrum that Jonah finds himself in. The next question from the sailors is a very interesting one. And this is what they say. What have you done? See, they're facing a storm they've never seen before. They're talking to a man they've never known before. And he's running from God. And so here they're in this experience. They don't know what to do, but they're looking at someone who worships a God that is clearly more powerful than whatever they're used to. And they ask him the question, what 
have you done? They're not actually asking him this question. They're not really making an inquiry. They're making an accusation. Why have you done this? Why have you run from God? Now, remember, it actually says that Jonah previously told them that he ran from the Lord, and they didn't think about it until now. Why did you run from the Lord? Look at what's happening. Why would you do such a thing? It mentions this very clearly. Why would you do this to us? Why would you allow your sin to affect us in this way? Why do you not care about us? Why, why, why? They want to know why Jonah was willing to do what he did, so much so that it would affect what's going on in their lives. Now, here's the thing about being confronted with sin. Sometimes we experience the consequences of our sin, but we never get confronted by other people. And I want to bring that up because it actually is really important for us to be confronted in our sin. Now, don't take this word confronted to mean something that I don't mean. When I mean confronted, I don't mean that it has to be done harshly. I don't mean that it has to be done rudely. But for us to be confronted in our sin is to actually look into the mirror and see how it is that we are affecting other people. Jonah needed to look these men in the face and see that his sin was about to cause their demise. It wasn't what they had done. It was what Jonah had done. And see, Jonah was sleeping in the boat prior to this. They woke him up. They told him to call on his God because they were calling on theirs and nothing was happening. And now they're saying, why have you done this to us? What would make you do something so evil that you wouldn't care about our lives and rather than just your own? Throughout scripture, we see the sins of the fathers affect the children. This is called generational iniquity or generational sin. And it's often referenced as a curse that the younger is affected by the older, those that walked in great sin and weren't living before the Lord or repentant. Similar, we would see this with families. And we've all seen this in our lives, but when you get confronted with what you have done, it can be a game changer, and it actually is for Jonah, and I believe it is for us as well. When a person has to look at others in the face and give an account, look them eyeball to eyeball, and actually explain the reality of what they did and why they did it, I believe that it can introduce a turning point, which I think is, is what happens right here. Now, people argue, I, I, I know that, People argue whether or not Jonah was fully repentant in this moment, but I think that God invites us into moments of repentance, and maybe we're not able or capable to fully grasp and fully understand maybe the sin that we've committed or, or just how egregious it is before God, how, 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 how damaging it might be for other people, but God, by his grace and mercy, invites us into moments where we can see that what we're doing affects other people, and we get to repent maybe even partially, but it's the grace of God that leads us to repentance. I'm sure that you've been through a situation like this before, but when I was early on in my walk with Christ, I had a specific sin in my life, and there was a handful of people that knew about it. Now, I was fairly secretive, but I, I confessed at times, and there was a man in my life that was mentoring me for a period of time, and when I confessed to him once, he gave me grace, he prayed for me. When I confessed to him several more times, he just actually finally took me aside when he noticed that I was no longer confessing my sin. I was no longer talking about it. I was no longer asking for prayer. I was no longer seeking the grace of God and really just the help of others. 
And he pulled me aside one time and he just said, Ben, if you don't stop what you're doing, and he named it and he spoke about it and he clarified it, he said, if you don't stop what you're doing, it's not only going to hurt you, but it's going to damage all the people around you. And it's already done that and you just don't see it. And he began to speak to me about how that worked in my life. And as a young man, I didn't really see that. I didn't really think about how that affected other people. I wasn't considering that. His perspective was not my perspective, not because I was being arrogant about it, but I was ignorant to it. And so I'm grateful because he invited me into a moment where I got to look into the mirror and see that my sin was not merely affecting myself, but it was affecting other people. I needed the confrontation. And this brings up a very important point. Maybe we haven't done this the right way. Maybe we haven't confronted each other in love and with grace and really with an attitude where I want to help other people when I see them caught in a sin that leads to death. I, caught, I see them caught in a snare and I want to help set them free from the trap. The snare of the fowler is what the Psalms say. If that's what we want to do, then we can't hold back and we have to seek the welfare of the other people in our lives. Sin destroys us and it destroys people around us. And if we go on living like it's not the case, we will continue to damage more and more lives. We will harm people. And so aren't you thankful that in God's grace and mercy that he can actually use a community of people to look out for one another so that less people get damaged, more people get transformed. And I believe that's what we see happen here in this particular case with the life of Jonah. And the second point I wanna make actually builds on it. Jonah was confronted with a decision. In verse 11, we read that the storm starts to increase and with it, impending doom to these sailors. And the sailors ask him another question. They say, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Now, Jonah ran from God and he avoided the consequences in his indifference. But here's the thing. It's not too late. That's why I'm calling this message. It's not too late. Because why? It's not too late. These guys are asking because they really don't know. Jonah, what do we need to do to you in order to make this happen? Because clearly you're not doing anything. But the fact is that Jonah's got to be confronted with the decision in front of him. They can't make the decision for Jonah. Jonah's got to share with them and show them what the decision is and redeem these consequences, at least on their behalf. Jonah's answer was, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. And he goes on to say, I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now that might not be full repentance, but that certainly is partial repentance, isn't it? Scholars may debate over exactly what took place here, but I think that it is Jonah's first step in his repentance of running from God or at minimum the consequences that he sees in front of him and how it affects them. He's like, I need to do something about this and so he tells them what must happen because it is his fault. Making sure that we know that something is our fault is really important. See, if we're too prideful to admit that something is a result of what we have done, that is a damaging thing in and of itself. We have to learn to take responsibility. We've got to own the things that we have caused in our life. God smiles on that. The Bible says that his kindness leads us to repentance. He's a good father and he longs for us to take responsibility where we may have done wrong because what that does is it helps us to then start to own how we ought to live. And so it 
always is a first step in repentance for us to own what we've done wrong, how that's affected other people, so that ultimately we can turn our hearts and our lives to God and be about his business and do what he has called us to do. We see this not only in Jonah's life, but we know that this is also very true for us as well. Jonah was confronted with a decision to save the lives of men in front of him, and I believe that he responded the right way. When the men heard him say this, though, they couldn't accept it. They started to row back to the shore, and it says that the sea started to rage even more as a result of that. So they knew they were doomed. They heard what Jonah had to say. They couldn't accept it. And so instead, they start to try to redeem the circumstances themselves. They figure out they cannot do that. But look at the grace on their lives. They hear that they need to throw a man overboard. His life in their minds is going to be taken, and they are not willing to do that. They're willing to risk their own lives for the sake of his. See, Jonah is supposed to be the one as the representative of God. Jonah is supposed to be the one as the prophet of the Lord that was to go to Nineveh to preach against the city, knowing that God was going to offer them mercy. He was the one that was supposed to be the messenger and the conduit by which God would pour out his mercy. And now he, in his running and in his indifference and in his being asleep, He's the one that's watching those that don't know Yahweh, those that are pagans, actually do the very thing for him that he was supposed to do for those in Nineveh. It's pretty ironic, isn't it? That when those around you that you're supposed to be helpful towards, that you're supposed to share the mercy of God and lead them to God, when they're the ones that are doing what you're supposed to do, I don't know if you've ever been in a scenario like that, but I certainly have. I've been convicted by people that I'm supposed to be the example for when in fact they become the example to me. And here we have a gracious and a merciful and a loving God that invites us into a view and into a place of repentance where we get to make a decision because it's not too late for us to serve the Lord. And thank God that Jonah chooses well. The pagan sailors have acted more noble and more godly than Jonah. What a contrast this actually is. In this decision, we see that Jonah starts to take responsibility. This is very encouraging. First step towards repentance. And I believe this is actually, and we see this in Matthew chapter 12, a picture of the Lord Jesus. And there are some differences, but we see in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, Jesus actually uses the picture of this moment as a, as a, as a communication point for the Pharisees. Look what he says, Matthew 12, 38. Some of the Pharisees or the scribes and the Pharisees said to Jesus, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. The sign of Jonah the prophet was that Jonah gave himself in this moment and he ends up in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. And so Jesus would give himself for us, be buried and rise again on the third day. Now, there are some pretty massive differences between Jonah and, and Jesus, okay? Let's just admit it. Jonah is not giving his life for the men. He's actually giving his own life to cause the consequences that he is responsible for to subside, the way that the sea is going to stop is if Jonah actually remedies the situation. And that means that he has to give his life 
so that these men will not die. And so in that, res- in that respect, yes, he is giving his life. Yes, he is saving the men, but he's the one that was causing them harm to begin with. He's the one responsible for their impending doom. So Jesus, like that context, but not the same spirit, not the same causation, of course, Jesus gives his life for us. And this we call atonement, substitutionary atonement. In Jesus's life, he gave his life for our life. It's where you see the the just for the unjust. It's the righteous for the unrighteous. Jonah was a sign, but not the entire picture or story of Jonah was in like kind with Jesus. Jesus was the fulfillment of perfect humanity. He lived according to the law. He fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. He was a perfect, sinless sacrifice. And it was his death and his burial and his resurrection, his three days and three nights that caused anyone who would believe to have life in his name and life eternal. The The sign of the prophet Jonah was actually pointing to the redemptive moment of history that you and I as Christians and followers of Jesus now get to live in and pray to God that we do not take for granted. Friends, this is an amazing reality is that we get to see in the Old Testament how it builds up to the New Testament. We get to see in an Old Testament prophet that was pointing to the Lord Jesus, who is the prophet that was to come. It's a beautiful picture of what God was doing from times past in history, leading up until that redemptive moment that he would, that he would make salvation available to anyone who would call on his name. This is what we see, the propitiation for our sins, atonement, substitutionary atonement. Jesus is our example for for giving our lives for the sake of others that they would have life. Now, Jesus gave his life for humanity, but he calls us to give our lives so that other people would have life. And we do that by how we live. We do that by what we say. We do that by the love that we offer. We are representatives. We are witnesses of Jesus in this world to people around us. Jonah was a terrible witness in this moment but it wasn't too late and he got to turn it around because of God's mercy. Aren't you thankful that God invites us into mercy again and again and again? And that's what we see in this rebellious prophet. And it's also what we see in our own rebellion as well. The third point that I wanna bring up to you today is that Jonah was also confronted by God's mercy, which I've mentioned in reference several times throughout this passage. In verse 14 and 15, we read that the sailors, they throw Jonah overboard as they pray to Yahweh and beg him not to hold them accountable for throwing him into the sea. This is something amazing to me. Something amazing happens. The minute, it's like the minute, the second that Jonah's body touches the sea, the sea just goes calm. Bam, just like that. They do what needs to be done. Jonah His life is given and the sea calms down and the men's lives are saved. The anger of God toward his prophet was turned off like a switch on a a light fixture. Maybe we think this story is odd because we see the anger of God and it confuses us. However, the Bible is full of the picture of God 
where we see Jesus who came fully to express the heart of the Father in giving his own life to stop the raging sea of our sin. Think about that for a minute. We release this raging river in humanity, Adam and Eve and every human being ever since, released this raging river of consequences of sin. And the storm has been raging ever since. And then Jesus steps into human history, gives his life. And the minute his life touches the raging sea of our consequences, it goes silent. And every person now has a legitimate opportunity to be rightly reconciled with their heavenly father. For us to step back into why we were created. We were not just created to live whatever years that we get on the earth. We were created to thrive in relationship with an almighty God who made us. We walked away in our rebellion and God by his grace and mercy is always drawing us back just like what we see in the life of Jonah. You know, the life of Jonah, the story of Jonah is actually a picture of the prodigal son. You know the story in the book of Luke. We see the son, he goes to his father and he says, Father, I want my inheritance. And the father gives him the inheritance. He takes it. He goes down to the nearby city. He squanders the inheritance on all kinds of loose living. He gets to a point where he's down and out and he's eating out of a trough, which is where pigs eat from. He has this awakening moment that even the servants in his father's household live better than he is now but he feels so much shame and guilt and he doesn't want to go back, but he realizes that I would have a better life if I was just a servant in my father's household. And I, I believe that my, my father is loving enough to at least take me back as a servant. See, his shame is talking to him. His shame is the voice telling him that, 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 God, that, that your father will take you back as a servant. See, he's distorted the view of, of his own father because of his own shame. And the Bible says that the lost son is, as he's on his way, the father sees him from a long way off, his prodigal son. And it says that the father runs to his son, scoops him up. He puts a robe on him. He puts a ring on him. And they slaughter the fattened calf. And he makes the declaration, my son was lost, but now he's found. The older brother, he says to the father, how could you do this? How could you take him back? Look what he's done. And you know what I think? I think that the prodigal son and the older brother, both of those are found in the person of Jonah. We see in him the rebel who runs and we see also in him the self-righteous man who thinks that he's better than those that God wants to pour mercy out on in Nineveh. This is right here it's where it's not too late and he's able to actually make a little bit of a turn, which I believe God was doing not merely just for the Ninevites. God was doing for Jonah. Maybe we look at this story and we don't realize how much mercy is in it. Maybe we don't see the, the mercy of God. We see an angry God who's going to punish people. We see all that and we don't see how merciful and how kind God is to bring us to a place to see our own sin and to see how great and merciful he is, Jonah was wore down by the mercy of God. Can I tell you today that God's going to wear you down by his mercy? We can run, we can hide, we can try to fall asleep in our indifference. We can do all of that. And you know what our God's going to do? In his love and in his mercy and in his grace, he's going to pursue us. He does not just want to bring consequences on our lives. 
He is a good father far beyond what we could ever imagine. He loves us more than we could ever dream of. And his love is so full of pursuit. This is my story. My story is that God chased me down again and again and again. I ran and I ran and I ran. Since I was a teenager, I ran. And God arrested me when I was 19. He showed me that he was real. He didn't take my no for an answer. He did not allow my rebellion to be the final word over my life. And I'm thankful. Are you thankful? Wherever you are right now listening to me, are you thankful that God did not take your no or your rebellion or your running to Tarshish? Are you thankful that he did not allow that to be the final word over your life? Well, guess what, friend? He's not allowing that to be the final word over the others in your life the people around your life, the people in your family, the people in your city, the people in your job, the people that you've known that have never bowed their knee to Jesus. They've never confessed him as Lord. They look everything but Christians. And maybe we're the ones that have given up. Maybe we're the ones that have thrown in the towel on mercy towards those that have yet to know Jesus. But you know what? God hasn't. God hasn't thrown in the towel because he didn't do that with you and he didn't do that with me. And he wants to constantly and continually bring us that know him to a place of mercy for everyone around us. And sometimes we're stubborn and we're sinful and we're rebellious, but God won't allow it. He keeps coming. So listen, our love for other people, our life with the Lord it's not just what God does through us, but God continues to do something marvelous inside of us. He continues to make us like him. He continues to show us just how far he will go. He continues to say yes to us even when we've said no to him. Because you know why? We're gonna carry that very message to as many people as we possibly can. When God goes deeper in our lives, we get to go farther in reaching out to the lives of others. Jonah needed to know this. He needed to understand this. And here, God's just getting started on his life. We see something marvelous. We see the example that we're to follow. And that is, is that we need to give our lives just like Jesus gave his life. We can live our lives for ourselves. We can live our lives with a self-righteousness that says, hey, I'm going to heaven and all these bad, evil, mean, terrible people all around me, they're just making this world worse for all of us. You know what happened? We forgot who we once were. We forgot the mercy of God that cleaned us up, that transformed our heart, that gave us what we could never earn and what we could never deserve. We forgot, we became the older brother and we forgot that we were once the prodigal son. See, we just switched sides. We went from the prodigal and the rebellious one to the self-righteous one. Either way, it's still not like the Father. And this is what God is doing to us. He's inviting us in to give our lives so that other people would have life. When's the last time we gave our life away so that someone else would experience life? This is the question I believe that Jesus has for us because it's what he invited his disciples into and I'll close with a passage where Jesus confronts his disciples with his way. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said this, Whoever wants to be my disciple 
somebody that follows me, not just studies my words, but actually follows in my footsteps. They must deny themselves. They must take up their cross and they must follow me. They must go where I go and do what I do. And then he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, get everything they want, yet forfeit their own soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, sinful meaning self-first, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his Father's glory with the holy angels. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I'm not just the payment for your sins. I am the pattern for your life. I am calling you to not only learn from me, to not only receive from me, I am calling you to be like me. Yahweh, the Father, was pursuing Jonah, and Jesus, the Son, is speaking to you and I, and he's confronting us in our own sin, in our own place of life. And let's just not act like we're all the way there yet. Let's just acknowledge in all humility to God, I need to give my life away so that others may experience life abundantly. It's no longer about what I get. It's all about me serving you by loving and serving others. May I give my life away so that others may know what I know, have what I have, and experience what I've experienced. The call of Christ is upon our life. I want to encourage you to yield in humility to the Lord. Can we do that together? This is my heart for my life. This is my heart for yours. But Jesus is the example. Jonah didn't yet know that back then. And we wouldn't if all we had was the book of Jonah. But we don't just have the book of Jonah. We've got the whole book. And we see what this whole thing is all about. Let's humble ourselves to the Lord. Would you do that right now? Humble yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm not all the way there. But I acknowledge that your way is my way. I acknowledge that you're Lord. And I'm not just supposed to submit to your words and grit my teeth. I'm supposed to submit my whole life to your way and experience the joy for which you, ex which you experienced when you gave your life away for me. I want to be like the father in the story of the prodigal son. I don't want to be the older brother. I don't want to be the younger brother anymore. I want to be like you. I want to be like the father. That's the story for me that's worth living. That's the life that I lay hold of right here and right now. Let's pray. Humble our hearts to the Lord together. Father, we thank you that you're the great example of the whole Bible. You're the one that shows us how it ought to be. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You work in perfect harmony to show us the example that we need for our lives. You say, follow in my way. Follow in my footsteps. Remember the mercy that was poured out to you. Remember the grace that was given. The grace that you couldn't earn and that you didn't deserve. And that has never changed. And now take that same grace and give it to others. God, we humble ourselves. We receive a greater revelation of grace and of mercy. We ask, Lord, that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation. Remind us, Lord, that we may not be the younger brother sometimes right now. You delivered us from that, but we can slip into being the older brother too. 
I pray, God, that you would help us right now to align our hearts with you. What does it mean for us today to give our lives away for others? It's going to cost us more than we've paid. It's going to take us farther than we've gone. And so we humble ourselves to you and we say to you right now, whatever it takes, whatever you want, wherever you want us to go, we will go. Whatever you want us to do, we will do. But help us as we actually make this commitment right here and right now. And we thank you in Jesus' name. This story is not just a sermon. Speaks to our lives, doesn't it? Well, as always, I prayed and I sought the Lord and what he's speaking to some of us tonight. And uh, I don't have a lot of things to say prophetically, but I do just want to mention, um, I saw this very clear. It was a vision. It was a picture. Um, I saw one, someone, they owned a business um, and you're facing shutting it down right now. And uh, the reality is actually there. You know you're going to have to shut this business down, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal for you and everything that you've put into this. And here's what I heard the Lord say when I saw this picture of what was taking place. I felt it a little bit, not nearly or even close to what you're going through, but here's what I heard the Lord say over this picture is that he says to you that I'm going to bless you far beyond what you have right now and that you will have more with less. I want you to hear that. You will have more with less. God's blessing is going to come upon you in a great way. The things that you know that you need and that he's drawing you to, the provision that you're going to need, he's going to exceed that in a way that's going to blow you away. God is going to bless you. And I'm not just the health, wealth, prosperity preacher. I'm saying to some, one, at least one person, I know you're hearing me, that you're facing the difficult decision of closing the business, but God's going to bless you as a result of it. Even still, it doesn't look like it and it won't make sense, but God is able to do it. I know that um, we all believe in the healing power of the Lord and God is healing people. I would say probably every week in our midst, things just come out in words of knowledge and we pray that he would send forth his word and it says that he healed them and God does heal. And he heals through our ministry, not what I'm doing or just, but our whole church, God has been healing for years. And we've seen that continue to grow throughout this time. And so right now I saw somebody and your voice has been affected in this season, like something about not just your throat, but your voice. It's just hindered. It's restricted. You've had problems with it. And I believe the Lord wants to heal you right now. And so I speak healing over your throat, your esophagus, healing over any damage that's happened to your voice and all that that's connected with. I speak healing over you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, we pray for your anointing to fall upon that one or that two and that you would restore their voice, you would restore their throat, you would restore their esophagus and anything that is affected in that area. We thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray over acid reflux. And it's, it might be the causation of this, but I pray over anyone that has deep acid reflux, something that has just been plaguing them. We speak healing over you in the name of the Lord Jesus right now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you right now. And somebody has a pain in the back of their head. 
it's not like the neck or the top. It's like right in the back of your head. You're having a pain that's surging. It comes and it goes and it comes and it goes. And we just speak the healing of the Lord over you. Be healed in Jesus' mighty name. When God reveals, he heals. The reason that I can speak the healing of the Lord is because I'm seeing what God is showing. And when I'm seeing it, I believe God is healing it. It's not my authority. It's the authority of the Lord. So we speak healing over the headaches and the surging pain over the back of the head right now. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring about healing for your people. We thank you, Lord. And right now, too, I just saw somebody that's just got some chest pain in its upper chest area right across the top here. It's just this chest pain. It's been plaguing you. It's confused you a bit. We pray right now, be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. And I just see this name, Tim, Timothy, Tim or Timothy. I don't know who you are. I'm not sure who I'm referring to, but I see a conflict in relationship. It's that parental relationship. I actually can't tell if you're a son or you're a father, but there's a parental relationship there. And God's bringing restoration and he's bringing healing in your family. He's asking you, he's inviting you in to a fresh and new humility and prayer. A place of prayer to listen and to hear him, to receive wisdom and next steps. So right now we just pray over this Tim or Timothy. We pray God healing and restoration in their relationships in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord. We pray, God, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that you would send us out for your glory to give our lives away so that others might have life. Amen. So let me just commission you simply that as you go, that you and I would be filled with God's Spirit, that we would be strengthened by God's Word, that we would be mindful of God's voice, that we would be focused on His mission as we bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.